0: Welcome to another episode of the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast's weekly news review, sponsored by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calicoon, New York. I'm Lily Parnell, and here are this week's top stories. After years of serving sandwiches and salads to a hungry community, the tiny yet popular CJ's Kitchen closed their doors for the final time on Friday afternoon. Mac Feynman purchased the deli from a previous owner in December 2016. He ran the kitchen with his wife Dawn and two daughters Alexis and Hannah. Over the years CJ's became a community staple, even reaching far beyond Youngsville as they connected with patrons of all ages. He asked for CJ's every morning and got so excited when we would go, said Eric Wilhelm about his five-year-old son Declan. When I told him they were closing he got upset. The girls got him all shy and he always looked for the owner. I'm from a small town and we still go to the general store to get breakfast sandwiches when we're down there. It makes me feel like a kid again. I was hoping Declan would get that same feeling from CJ's when he was older. The cash only deli opened at their doors with hot coffee, bacon, egg and cheese sandwiches, Western omelets, and bagels with lox at 4 a.m. each weekday morning, catching early commuters on their way to work. I come in every morning for before work, said Mike Bagley. I don't even tell them my order. They just know what I want as soon as I walk in the door. I don't even go to the counter. Although sandwiches and salads were popular, their standout meal was the meatloaf special. Homemade meatloaf with mashed potatoes smothered in gravy always had patrons craving more. Nearly every person in the restaurant on the deli's final day claimed it was the best meatloaf they ever had. We get the meatloaf all the time and it's better than anything we get at home, said Jack Costello, as his wife Doris added. We're so sad they're closing and we can't have it anymore. Feynman said the business was not being sold, but in a statement on social media said, Due to recent news and my physical limitations, Don and I have come to the decision to close. Writing his goodbye, in a Facebook post on July 2nd, Feynman announced it would be the Deli's last week open. It has been a pleasure meeting everyone and serving the Western Sullivan County area and beyond, said Feynman in his post. We have been humbled by your support for the past several years. In other news, a break in an eight-inch water main in the town of Rockland near Roscoe Lumberyard during Thursday's storm caused a pressure drop. There's a chance some groundwater could have filtered in. This resulted in the New York State Department of Health issuing a boil water order for the Roscoe Rockland Water District, which encompasses the businesses near and around Stewart Avenue, as well as the Roscoe Nursing and Rehabilitation Center on Rockland Road. According to the Town of Rockland Supervisor Rob Eggleton, they are unsure what caused the break but mentioned the possibility of lightning hitting the ground. Eggleton said the town's water and sewer department fixed the break right away on Thursday. In fact, he said he and Councilman J.R. Devantier, who owns the Rockland Lumber Yard and had to close his business for the day on Thursday during the repairs, were impressed with how quickly the town's crew was able to fix it. The water has since been tested and Eggleton said they've received word from the New York State Department of Health on Saturday at approximately 6 p.m. that everything was all clear and the boil water order was lifted. Shifting gears our centuries in this case. History lovers headed down to Fort Delaware last weekend for loyalists and patriots. Due to the efforts of the Delaware Company and many volunteers, Saturday's revival of activities at Fort Delaware Museum of Colonial History was a great success. It attracted over 120 people and enhanced the colonial vibe of the stockaded settlement. Basking in the sun, that was a welcome change from the recent rains. Even the herb garden outside the gates appeared well tended, despite a year's absence of audience. The 18th century atmosphere was aided by volunteers in colonial garb whose descriptions were informative and sometimes amusing. To learn more about the event, check out photos and the story on it at scdemocratonline.com. Looking at some of the top stories in today's paper, Bethel farmer Pete Hofsty was joined by Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul as representatives of, from the New York State Energy, Research and Development Authority and Delaware River Solar to cut the ribbon on the single largest community solar project in the Mid-Hudson Valley. Developed by Delaware River Solar and owned by Generate Capital, the project will produce 7.8 million kilowatts, kilowatt hours of solar energy a year and is fully subscribed to power residents, small businesses and nonprofits. The Hofsee Farm Field marks a significant milestone for renewable energy in New York, which now generates over three gigawatts of solar energy. Lieutenant Governor Hochul referenced Bethel's history and the Woodstock Music Festival that created a social and cultural movement. Today, Bethel is playing a new role in a renewable green energy movement. As someone who grew up near Lake Erie and saw firsthand the harmful effects caused by emissions from the local steel plant, creating a greener and cleaner future has always been a personal fight for me, said Lieutenant Governor Hochul. By reaching the historic milestone, of three gigawatts of solar installed in New York, we can now power more than half a million homes with clean energy while also creating jobs and attracting further investment in our state's green energy economy. Hochul said that since the launch of the New York Sun Initiative in 2011, solar energy in New York state has increased by 2100%. The cost of solar is down 69%, and there have been 12,000 jobs created in a growing renewable energy industry. Through the New York Sun Initiative, the NYSERDA directed over $1 million toward the Hofsey Farm Solar Project. David Sandbank, Director of Distributed Energy Resources for NYSERDA said, This latest project represents significant progress toward the state's ultimate goal of producing six gigawatts of solar energy by 2025. Not only are we achieving those goals on on time or ahead of schedule, but we're doing so by creating a thriving green economy, Sandbank said. We have a state commitment to invest in projects such as these. We're delivering real, meaningful economic and environmental benefits to all New Yorkers. For more on this project, see editor Matt Shortle's story on the front page. Local restaurants, bars, and other establishments are pivoting again after the expiration of Governor Andrew Cuomo's emergency executive orders last month, which canceled the popular cocktail-to-go program for bars and restaurants and shuttered online direct-to-customer sales by distilleries. The executive orders, which were originally in place through July 5, 2021, Instead expired early on june twenty fifth with little to no warning, given giving many businesses less than twenty four hours to adjust their business model right before the July fourth weekend. When a business can't plan when a business can't plan it, it becomes a gamble, and that's why and that's what they're forcing us to do, said Ezekiel Miller. Miller, the co owner of the Kasheckton fire station with Josiah Early, found out about the end of the cocktail to go. Miller, the co-owner of the Kashukton Fire Station with Josiah Early, found out about the end of the cocktail to go, like many did, watching the evening news on June 23rd. The expiration has taken a lifeline away. Many restaurants were relying on amidst, amidst other reopening woes. Many restaurants, like other businesses, are having difficulty finding employees and balancing reopening fully and safely, despite the arrival of the Delta variant in all 50 states and continue pushback by some against the COVID vaccinations. The program was immensely popular across the state and New York State Restaurant Association published a survey in May finding that 78% of New York residents favored cocktails to go. Craft distilleries were also impacted as the executive orders allowed them to ship their products directly to customers via online orders, which had allowed many to increase their market. Our sales are still down. Tourism is down. Not everything's returned, said Brian Fassett. Fassett is the founder of the Do Good Spirits in Roscoe and president of the New York State Distillers Guild, representing 160 craft distillers in every state of every region of the state. We lost cocktail to go and a lot of our sales were direct to customer. Some people lost 40 to 50 percent of their sales, he said. To learn more, Check out Margaret Bruch's story on today's front page. And finally, New York instituted early voting in 2019, becoming the 39th state to do so after the state legislator approved voter reform measures. In Sullivan County, there is only one early voting poll site at the Government Center in Monticello. The amount of poll sites is based on the number of registered voters in each county, one site per 50,000 registered voters. During the county's Legislature's Government Service Committee meeting last week, Sullivan County Board of Elections, or BOE, Commissioner Lori Benjamin said the county, along with other small counties in the state, planned to send a letter to the state BOE to address some of the issues with early voting. Based on the early voting law requirements, the polling site must be open for nine days, that including weekends. Benjamin said that the county has to pay staff to work the polls as well as pay overtime during that time. Further, voter turnout was extremely low this last primary election on June 22nd. During the early voting period, there were 58 voters, Benjamin said. The primary included six election districts with a total of 4,400 people that could vote, but we didn't even get close to that, Benjamin told legislators. Benjamin said that based on the numbers, this comes out to $1,000 per vote. I can understand early voting when the whole county is involved, or if it's a big election, presidential or federal, she said. But when it comes to smaller elections, she said they think they will ask the state to modify early voting regulations, such as shortening the number of days. See staff writer Isabel Braverman's article in today's paper and to learn more and get reactions from the public on the discussion. That concludes today's episode of the Sullivan County Democrat podcast sponsored by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calicoon, New York. We hope everyone has a wonderful and safe weekend and remember to subscribe and call 845-887-5200.